Hey folks, a quick announcement before we get started. This time I was a naughty boy and didn't record my audio properly, so please accept my apologies for the dip in usual quality on my part. You'll be pleased to know that Will still sounds great, so it's just me letting the side down on this occasion. Apologies once more, please enjoy the show. Welcome to the 13th episode of Total Bob Mode. We're a weekly gaming podcast. My name is Will and I'm joined here by my good friend, co-host and fellow gaming enthusiast, James. What's cracking you moronically morose manta rays? Before we go on to the catch up this week, let's get the socials out the way. You can, as always, find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pop Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pop Mode. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter by searching for at Total Pop Mode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash hoodafunk and you can find me on twitter at mr bames and i'm also on twitch under twitch.tv forward slash mr bames underscore tpn so man before we get started i just wanted to check in from something you said last week did your bus arrive on time oh uh yeah it unfortunately didn't uh i've since actually lost the tambourine so not quite sure where that's gone the last time i saw it i was actually waiting for a bus uh funny you mention it so since then i'm really not sure where it's got to hope it doesn't fall into the wrong hands a lot of those events that i was describing last week i'm I'm starting to wonder if they may have all just been coincidences no shit other than that yeah i just uh i just hope this thing doesn't fall into the wrong hands and isn't misused to create any mischief it's fine i'm sure shaman bros probably got it exactly probably returned to him just like his favorite goat would So James, at risk of getting a little bit into the gaming challenge this week, I'll very quickly let you know that this week for me was full of trials, tribulations, misery and woes, just to (laughs) set the tone I guess. Keep it light mate, jeez. (laughs) You know, I've got a little bit of uh, Call of Duty to talk about, but why don't you kick off the catch up this week? I did manage to finish God of War at the start of the week. Very nice, very nice. How did you get on? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was fine. I, it turns out that in my 20 or so hours session the weekend before, I pretty much got to the end anyway. So I jumped in, had one mission to do, and then did the final boss fight, and that was it. Two or three hours, and then I was done. And what did you feel about some of the revelations at the end? You know, the fact that Atreus in the Norse mythology is essentially Loki in this uh, timeline. I didn't get that impression from what was said. Did you not? Did you no. really not? No, I just thought that was the alternative name that they had for him. I didn't get anything to do with that at all. Oh, okay. Fair enough. Because, I mean, it does follow a lot of the mythology that, you know, Loki was born under the Jotuns, obviously, you know, which which matches up with Atreus' timeline. So that's interesting. Yeah, no, didn't get any of that. So as you were playing, that wasn't like a... I mean, for me, that was like a real revelatory point. I was like, holy sh**. This is about to get crazy in the next games. Oh, if not, you know, at that point, I wasn't even sure that it was about to end. So. No, I literally did nothing for me. Just, oh, cool. His mum wanted to call him Loki. Sweet. <laughs> right, right. Didn't mean anything to me because they meant, I'm pretty sure they mentioned Loki another time when they're talking about Odin and stuff. Ah, well, in my head, he, you know, was meant to be the same person. I'd be interesting to see what other people's takes on that were. I mean, in my mind, that was sort of then established going forwards that Atreus was going to kind of play that role and this was sort of like an obviously a retelling and bending of the established law. Yeah, that was kind of my take on that, that at some point, perhaps even in the future games, Atreus does become Loki. He adopts that title, perhaps. Fair. Yeah, as I say, I didn't get anything like that at all. And how did you find the final boss fight with Boulder? Story-wise, excellent. Mechanics-wise, disappointing. I think it's probably the easiest way to put it. It's the same boss fight you have when you fight him the previous two times. Very few extra moves. He just get he becomes fire boy a little bit. Yeah. So that was a little bit of a shame. But in terms of the story, it was excellent. And having Freya in the background doing all sorts of nonsense with the giant golem, I guess you'd call it. Yeah. That, that was pretty cool. Um, and the whole when you beat the fight, you beat him and you then don't kill him, but then he tries to kill Freya and then you come back and snap his neck. And that was kind of cool and it foreshadows <laughs> what yeah, I think yeah. is, is not too much of a spoiler to say that Freya's obviously coming for you in Ragnarok because it's in the trailers. Oh, 100%. So that's, so that's kind of neat. Yeah. She is pissed that you kill Volder. Yeah, well, yeah. Not surprised. It's understandable. It's her son, you know? it, it her son yeah. <laughs> I guess, I guess. It's Kratos. What did you expect him to do? Well, he was just trying to end the uh, the cycle of vengeance. So. By killing the guy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Even though she's now going for him, which means there's going to be more vengeance. But, uh, yeah, he didn't, you know, details, details. Kratos has killed gods before, it's fine. So did you actually uh, decide to finally fill up your skill tree? How was that looking by the time you reached the end of the game? Uh, completely full, but I can't say I noticed. Like, I did really didn't get much more benefit or less benefit than previously. Did you not use any of the combos, like yeah. the extended ones where you hold the buttons? Yeah, yeah, but did nothing to my attacking arsenal, really. I was cleaving through things just as easily as I was before. Didn't really add too much more dynamics to the gameplay, in my opinion. Maybe it's because I picked them all up too late, but it was interesting to see that I filled everything up and still had about 200,000 experience left afterwards. So f*** knows what you're meant to do with all that, but it was uh, it, there were some cool combos. You got a couple of cool extra moves. The shield bash stuff was nice so that you could get through people's blocks. That would have been quite handy in a few fights. But yeah, I mean, it, it didn't add too much to the combat for me, honestly, but maybe if I had actually done it sooner, I might have uh, had more chance to experiment, maybe. Yeah, I think that you'd have perhaps noticed the use for some of those moves. They come particularly handy for some of the enemies in the mid-game sort of thing, particularly, as you say, the perfect block on the shield is really useful for when you're fighting the flying elves what about some of your abilities and things like that that you used did you have like a favorite one like you have an ice beam or you can summon a load of ice wolves or did you get into any of that uh nothing that was anything too special i mean the the blades of chaos one that i had was cool because it was just a really nice combo and flicking the blade of chaos around and had quite a big range on it did quite a lot of damage when it was fully upgraded and burnt them which was quite cool i think it also did something like added an explosion attack of some description like they get a flashy thing on their chest and it explodes after a while that's right yeah yeah but none that really stuck out to me as being amazing i had the ice beam one i didn't have the, the wolves one interestingly but most of them were just hard hitting combos that i used to get myself out of the bind because they that's about the only time in the game you have iframes yeah pretty much yeah so yeah they were fine but i wouldn't say they were highlights and they were more useful tools just to sort of save myself really yeah same with spartan rage didn't really use that outside of when it gives you health regen yeah no that was actually to be fair one of my least favorites sort of abilities to use in the game because it made your combo slightly boring and the kind of upgraded abilities and moves you could do while you were in that rage mode didn't exactly change too much. I did quite like just pulling a boulder out of the ground and chucking it at someone. That was pretty fun. Oh, I never did that one. I unlocked it, but I never used it, yeah. As I say, because I unlocked everything and it turns out I was at the end of the game anyway, so... Yeah, I, I just think that you probably, because of the fact that you were so close to the end, missed out on the applications for some of the upgrades, and fair play to you for getting through so much of the game without using them, sort of thing. Because I think that ultimately it is able to do it, but I just think it's kind of a little bit what I mentioned last week, is that uh, you'd be denying yourself cool aspects of the gameplay by not upgrading them just because if anything they just make your combos cooler they just make the moves you do cooler i used to you know one of my favorite moves even though it was quite boring was just the charged heavy thing where you kind of plunge the axe down into their neck and just you know adds a little extra kill animation yeah i i like things like that they are not necessary to beat the game they just make you look a lot cooler while you do it i don't even know the attack you're on about mate I really don't. Jesus Christ, yeah. mate. You haven't played this f***ing game. You need to get back on this on New Game Plus and use all those goddamn moves. <laughs> all right, but to be honest, when the, when the Blades of Chaos came into it, I didn't really use the axe all that much, to be honest with you. The axe is more powerful like per hit, but the Blades of Chaos is more fun. That's interesting, because I actually was having a great time with the axe, and I, other than the fact that you need to use the Blades of Chaos to unlock certain doorways by burning stuff, certain enemies, you know, have uh, an ability that resists the frost, and you need to use the fire moves for. Other than that, I stuck with the axe, because um, in my mind, my axe was pretty much fully upgraded by the point that I... I uh, found the Blades of Chaos, and I was having a great time with that, using the throw and recall, mixing that up with combos and the fists and the block and everything. So yeah, I actually ignored the Blades of Chaos, funnily enough. I kind of, I thought it was amazing, and it was a great moment when I realized that you were actually getting them back. But then completely converse to that, I, I ignored them for the most part. Yeah, well, I guess you've played the other three, though, where you only use the Blades of Chaos, right? Yeah, you do get a few other weapons as well. You get a bow, you get a big glowy blue sword, you get some giant pulverizing fists like hulk gloves but for kratos so yeah you get some things like that but yeah for the most part the blades of chaos is your mainstay uh so they should be but yeah i, I think that you're right there i was uh familiar with a lot of the combos that he does 
a lot of the moves that he does in God of War 2018, he actually does in the previous titles as well. They just kind of switched up the way that you control, but the animations remained, they kind of obviously didn't copy the animations over, but they did a great job of including the old animations and modifying them for the sort of modern games as well. So it felt familiar when you were using them still, even though the control scheme was different. Whereas I just like them, it's quicker attack, more range, you can hit more enemies easily. Yep, good combos with those Blades of Chaos for sure. And the running sweep, which is one of the few upgrades I did use a little bit quite often, that's kind of neat. That's your, uh, if you go in from a sprint straight into an attack, isn't it? That you yeah, get that sprint, big lashing Sprint out. R1, even though I use Xbox controller so right bumper, but still. <laughs> but I still always call it R1 and R2. That's why you've been an Xbox boy for years. It's just because I speak PlayStation. <laughs> Who knows? Apart from I don't say, when I say X, I mean Xbox X rather than square yeah that's forever kind of yeah. a uh a point of frustration for me that those two uh and then don't even get me started on the goddamn nintendo control scheme in terms of god of war the only thing i'll say is i thought that the bit where you go to bed after you finish the game you know, then you wake up and thaws at your door looking all fat and angry yeah yeah um, i thought that was kind of cool and obviously i'm assuming that's how ragnarok is going to start i really hope that that's how ragnarok starts well that bit was yeah, in the trailer yeah. again so i assume it, it has to be right yeah and the only thing really to follow that with is it's kind of cool I, I did actually save just before it and then reloaded but i did play it out as well and uh, it's quite neat how they're just like oh yeah it must have a dream yeah it was nothing i'm sure that's not a premonition let's move on yeah yeah but other than that yeah not a lot to say uh, it was an excellent game excellent story i'm still going to go back and play it more at some point because i do want to i didn't do any more valkyries or anything like that so i still want to beat all of those i still want to collect everything and uh you know hey maybe even give these combos more of a chance to breathe and... <laughs> yeah please do how about you man i did manage to squeeze in uh, just another couple hours into call of duty modern warfare 2 so yeah basically it's just been kind of a you know an absolute joy running around feeling fairly invincible playing games like headquarters where people are kind of locking down a room you just wander in with your right shield fart gas molotov slowly bash everyone to death while they're unable to do anything and uh yeah jobs are good and good times but you know at risk of going on too much about a game that we've talked about for a couple consecutive weeks uh i think it's time that we move on to the gaming news This week, our first article in the news from Game Rant, or as James is more familiar with it, Gamer Ant. Shout out to the Gamer Ant. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet leaks seem to now point towards hints for the Gen 10 region, which fans believe to be Italy. It's a me, a Mario. Pokemon Scarlet and Violet leaks continue to appear online as more people play the ROM and fans believe that some hints in the game point to a future region based on Italy. Leaks for Gen 9 games started a few days ago when some players got their copies early and then shared pictures of Fuakoko's and Smoliv's middle stage evolutions, only for them to be followed by other leaked images. Fuakoko, for anyone who is unaware, is one of the starter Pokemon for the upcoming Scarlet and Violet titles, and Smoliv... I assume is just another Pokemon. Is is that a new Pokemon, James? Our resident Pokemon expert? Is that an existing one or is that a... I believe it is a new one, Will. It's a new one. Okay, okay all right. Okay. <laughs> I believe it's based on an olive. Oh. Uh- well, of course, of course. I'm just going to fact check myself for that, but I'm pretty sure I was just about to say fact check out the way, but uh, no, let's go back. <laughs> yeah, no, I was right. It looks like a f***ing olive. Yeah, great. Well, what's, the, what's this middle evolution then? Is it going to be some olive oil or some What's going on? It's going to be a bottle of olive oil, no yeah. doubt. It's or is that, be a or is that the end oil. game? That's the final evolution. <laughs> this middle evolution is like some sad looking olives, like pressed in a presser. Just pressed, like... <laughs> yeah. Oh jeez. No, I think that it'll probably be like its its middle evolution will be like a bottle of olive oil or something like that. And then like the final one it'll be like a dash of balsamic in there, maybe. Oh, it goes vinegary. Yeah. Gets the poison type, becomes acidic. And it'll probably be accompanied by a loaf, a crusty loaf. It'll be like uh Farfetch with his leek or something. Yeah. Just small with a baguette. Small and baguette. Don't put it past him, probably as a f- baguette Pokemon somewhere in this. The peak of the reveals happened two days ago, however, as Pokemon Scarlet and Violet's entire Pokedex leaked online as the ROM became accessible both to those who wanted to play 
and those who wanted to data mine it. As such, all Pokemon Scarlet and Violet starter evolutions were leaked, starting, of course, a debate within the community about which ones are best and why it might be worth picking a given starter over the others. Obviously, the uh, debate is already raging in the Pokemon community. As it surely would, with the game coming out in seven days at the time of recording. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I wish you hadn't told me this, by the way, because I'm probably now going to look at this Pokedex, and I really don't want to. <laughs> You're going to spoil it for yourself. Well, I'm sure that uh, given the, some of the more recent entries in the Pokemon, we'll see just how inspired the new Pokemon are. Well, the other thing is, is uh, it's the same game, but there's two different games, right? As it, and not like the normal, but Scarlet's based in like old worldy style and Violet's futuristic -y. Is it really? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so like the two legendary Pokemon are different. The two professors are different for the first time in franchise's history. You have different school uniform colour, different schools, different emblems, like that. That's quite interesting. I yeah. mean, it's it's still very, uh, you know, low effort in terms of differentiating the titles that are ultimately, I'm sure, very much the same. Oh, it's going to be almost ex essentially the same game. Yeah, maybe a couple of exclusive gym leaders like they did in the last gen. Fine, and perhaps, like, obviously just mostly aesthetic differences then, it sounds like. Yeah. It kind of sounds like they couldn't make their mind up which one they wanted to do, so they just did both. Yesterday, a popular leak aggregator known as Centro Leaks shared a picture taken in Pokemon Scarlet and Violet where the main character is looking at a painting called Street Midday. According to the note left in the game, the painting actually portrays a, in quotes, beautiful town in a different region, which could be based on Italy, based on the subject of the painting, which is a sunny street, cobblestones, light-coloured buildings, adorned with flowers and plants. This fits thematically with some areas in Italy, especially Tuscany and the southern part of Italy, such as the main islands, Sicily and Sardinia. You know, I don't know much about that. I don't know much about Italy. I don't know much about Pokemon. Uh, <laughs> so... Yes! So a lot of this sounds like complete speculation at this point, so we'll obviously have to see what that actually turns into, or if indeed that's true at all, it could just be a, a throwaway painting, you know, they, maybe they, who knows just how much effort and thought they actually put into these things before they stick them in the game. Uh, we shall see. I'm sure it's probably nothing, to be honest with you. <laughs> Hot takes from James. Yeah, that's probably nothing. No, more than it is. There's always shit like that in Pokemon games as far back as I can remember. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and none of them that I recall have ever foreshadowed the next region. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but uh, I'll let you know when the game comes out, I guess. So, James, for Starter Pokemon, who would you choose? Have you got any uh, favourites already? You've got Sprigatito, the grass-type Pokemon, uh, forest-dwelling feline. You've also got the fire-type Pokemon, Fuacoco, or you've got the water-type duck Pokemon, Quaxley. Who are you going for? I won't lie. When I first saw the pictures of these, I thought these are some of the most uninspired starters we've had in a long time. Okay, okay. Um, a cat, a duck, and a crocodile. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mean, yeah, no fair. Not yeah. that Generation 8's ones were particularly good either. Uh, the bunny rabbit, monkey, and a, I guess salamander. We've already had a crocodile starter, haven't we? Yeah, in Gen 2 we did, yeah. Yeah. But that was a water type, so they have switched up a bit. Probably Fuacoco, just because fire types are typically pretty good. Yeah, good one to start with. Sprigatito, because it's a cat, is probably another shout, because cats are great. But grass types aren't, so not sure. The one that I was the least impressed with is Quaxley, and I normally go for the water Pokemon starter, because I like water Pokemon, but Quaxley I'm not really asked about. We'll see, I'll probably, I'll probably end up picking Quaxley, but we'll see, we'll see. I like ducks, I'd probably go for Quaxley, I think. <laughs> I'll probably ditch whatever it is for the uh, the region's flying type, which will be one of the first things I catch in the early areas, and that will probably be my de facto starter. So yeah, but we'll see. It depends how sh they are. Okay, James, so our second article of the week. God of War Ragnarok hits major viewership numbers on Twitch. Uh, so this is an article from Game Rant. God of War Ragnarok appears to be a massive success on Twitch in terms of viewership numbers, even just days after God of War Ragnarok came out on the November 9th to critical acclaim. Ragnarok is currently the highest rated game Sony has released on the PlayStation 5. That's obviously quite a short list of major titles for PlayStation 5. For a list of major titles, visit the last episode where we listed all three or four of them. <laughs> yeah. But it is only just behind Elden Ring when compared to the new launches in 2022. This is 
the least newsy news story in that regard because it's not <laughs> surprised and I, I mean that with, I don't mean that sounds as disrespectful as it does but is anyone surprised? I don't think anyone's surprised no, no. I mean, <laughs> Newsflash guys God of War Ragnarok is going to be popular Yeah yeah exactly <laughs> Follow up to the game I know I've only just played it right but follow up to the game of the year 2018 hotly anticipated i got to say though I mean the numbers are pretty impressive so it said that around launch Ragnarok peaked at 460,000 viewers across Twitch. The total has only increased since then, and it now sits at 480,655 total users. Just as a final tidbit to this piece, the 480,655 viewers and growing have currently watched over 16 million hours of gameplay from God of War Ragnarok, and that's only going to keep growing. 16 million hours is a lot. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Okay, on to our third article of the week. So this is, once again, <laughs> another article from Game Rant. Game Rant getting all the love this week. All the love, yeah. Give Game Rant their flowers. we got to give them their flowers this week, because we are just milking them for news. Yeah, for having something that's remotely newsworthy, because good God, guys. Oh, it's been a slow news Ooh. week. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Control 2 officially announced by Remedy Entertainment. Uh, in a press release this week, Remedy Entertainment officially reveals that the previous codename Heron Project is a full-blown sequel to Control. I mean, uh, this is something that I'm pretty excited about. Um, well, certainly at least excited to hear more about. Control is a game that I still have yet to complete, although I do feel like, much like your kind of playthrough on God of War, when I do next pick up Control, I don't anticipate to be playing it for much more than about three hours. I've had an absolute blast with that game, and uh, you know, for anyone curious, we've sort of got plenty of discussions and information about that in previous episodes. Episode 8, specifically. Oh yeah, you've even got the timestamp. You've done your research. Yeah. Helen Mirren and other objects of power. Go check it out. Of course, yeah, of course. The studio as a whole has a lot on its plate after announcing a slew of projects at the 505 showcase back in May and the reveal of Alan Wake 2 at the Game Awards in 2021. You ever played Alan Wake? I was about to say something means nothing to me though, considering I haven't played Alan Wake 1. But have you played Alan Wake? Uh, So I I dabbled into Alan Wake. I played maybe about 30, 45 minutes before the kind of the age of the game kind of got to me. Um, The controls didn't feel particularly good at the time. You can definitely tell that Remedy had sort of, by the time that Quantum Break came out, and then obviously Control, they kind of got the knack of the controls much more down, whereas uh, Alan Wake felt a little rough to me, I gotta say, and also very generic, which was, again, something that I think I briefly mentioned uh, was something that put me off Control initially was the, uh, the feelings of that before I actually properly put some hours into it and unlock some upgrades and things. Following the positive reception to the original Control title, many fans were wondering which direction the studio would go in as it had a number of franchises that the fans were hoping to see get another entry. With so many projects in varying stages of development, Remedy hasn't gone into specifics about each one, only assigning a codename to them for now. In addition to Alan Wake 2, Remedy's other revealed games include Max Payne remasters with Rockstar, which is something that I'm quite looking forward to myself. I'd love to see Max Payne 1 and 2 remastered and uh, sort of brought up into line with Max Payne 3, that'd be just phenomenal to see. Alongside Max Payne, they also have a live service title, Codename Vanguard, being co-published with Tencent, and Codename Condor, which is a proof-of-concept multiplayer spin-off of Control. So, that sounds quite interesting. I mean, I would love to see how multiplayer works with telekinesis and things like that. That's going to be interesting for them to pull off, I think. My gut instinct, though, uh, for that is that it would be really fun and would control really well, because if you take and apply the control scheme of Control to a multiplayer game, I just can't see how that's not going to be an absolute blast. Yeah, unless lag becomes an issue. If it, Assuming it's some sort of battle arena type job, I, I don't know how that would work. Yeah, who knows? Uh, and obviously, yeah, Netcode is another issue entirely compared to uh, sort of single-player gameplay. So we'll see how they handle that as well. To my knowledge, this is kind of their first foray into uh, online multiplayer games. So let's see. Watch this space, guys. So Remedy did want to set expectations and make sure to let fans know that the game is still away from release. No surprises there. Control franchise game director Mikhail Kosarinen admitted that it'll take a while, but to put it mildly, this is the most exciting project I've ever worked on. It's still early days, but it will be worth the wait. I think that this is, uh, you know, obviously good news for Control 1 fans. Uh, I'll certainly be excited to see more. I'm looking forward to seeing what new gameplay elements they introduce how the graphics are looking, because they're already pretty damn good in this one, and just sort of what other things they're thought to include in the game. Will we still be playing as Jesse? 
as you know, I, I don't know the outcome of Control One. I, I don't know whether Jess. I'm assuming Jesse survives. <laughs> That's yet to see. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, there's uh, a lot there to be found out, and uh, a lot there to be excited for coming down the line in the future. As long as Helen Mirren's in it, then we're all That's, good. That's the main thing. That's the main thing for me. <laughs> Helen Mirren, playable character or unlockable skin. Yeah, That's unlockable skin for the end game. I think. So I think that's about all we have for the news this week. Uh, you know, as we said, uh, dry, dry ass news week. Very little to talk about there. Let's move on to the a games challenge. So Will hit me up, man. Trials and tribulations doesn't sound very promising. <laughs> Not gonna lie, how did you get on with Saints Row 2, man? Were you actually able to f- play this thing, or? <laughs> well, I mean, I gotta say, I was really looking forward to playing Saints Row 2 when you set this challenge for me uh, last week. I thought that, ah, this is a really nice one, I'll be able to relax, put my feet up, when I get bored of bashing the sh- out of people with a riot shield and setting them on fire in Call of Duty, I'll go and, you know, put my feet up. Bash people about with some other sh- just chill out with a nice bit of comforting Saints Row 2. Yeah, that was the that was the plan, man. It was meant to be. Meant nice to be, yeah. Because I knew that you didn't want to be playing it. I knew you wanted to be playing COD, so. Little did I know, James. Little did I know that the, at least <laughs> the Steam version of Saints Row 2 that I uh, actually already had in my game library, as I had been meaning to pick it up again, is uh, a pretty god-awful buggy mess, not least of the problems being the fact that it just constantly crashes every few minutes. So, I kept on trying the game. I kept on playing it through. I was really excited to do this. I even set up a stream on my Twitch channel, twitch.tv forward slash whodafunk, uh, where I actually got down to the character creator, which was actually probably one of the more funner parts of the game uh, that I was able to experience, <laughs> which That's is damning, isn't it? yeah, it definitely doesn't uh, bode well for the rest of this challenge. And for context, Saints Row 2 probably has one of the more limited character creation suites of the Saints Row franchise. Yeah, I mean it does, but you know that said, Saints Row is pretty well known for its fantastic character creation suites, uh, and I had an absolute blast making the monstrosity that was my character uh, by the end. And I'll be sure to post some screenshots and pictures of the character to the sort of the socials at some point after the episode releases just so you can get a true understanding of the beauty and uh, monstrosity that I created. Shout out to the endowment slider. I didn't actually have the endowment slider. I played a oh, sorry, lady. The sex appeal slider. No, sorry. sex appeal slider on the Seaver. It was just body shape, buddy. You could either be a thick, chunky yeah. boy or you could be a big booty, big booby lady. No endowment slider, oh. no sex appeal slider. These were, you know, early, early days of Saints Row. Gaming hadn't really quite reached those lofty heights of player customization at that point. So, okay, so that said, uh, I mentioned that the game was constantly crashing. I've had enough of it. It just was unplayable. I was unable to pursue the challenge while it was crashing every few minutes. The problems basically started the moment I left the prison, which is where you start escaping at the very beginning. Uh, and and from that point onwards, it was basically unplayable, I'm sorry to say. So you literally created your character and then... Created my character, escaped the prison, and then tried about five or six times to make my way to the next objective before the game crashed. <laughs> so you did the boat bit. I did get you past the boat bit. Carlos on the boat. Yeah, like three or four times times yeah <laughs> and then like yeah and and there were times when it was crashing before i even got to that bit uh it just was was constantly happening and i was at this point thinking well this game is kind of dead in the water until i discovered the gentleman's row mod which is apparently a sort of massive patch and overhaul for the game it kind of resets the game to what's essentially a remastered edition. Provides loads more customization options for your character. Uh, it gives you extra customized options for your gang. You get to start the game with improved textures. It's got a bunch of bug fixes, absolutely loads of stuff in it. And anyone who is playing Saints Row 2 on the PC and hasn't got this mod installed, it's really easy to sort out for yourself. And it's a fantastic mod. Would highly recommend to get the sort of full definitive edition of the Saints Row 2 experience. However, James, it didn't help me because the game was still crashing it actually started crashing more uh, so do take that oh, wow. advice that oh, I man. just gave you with a little pinch of salt there about uh, getting hey, into guys, it. Hey guys, download this mod that'll help fix the game, <laughs> but except it doesn't Except it will break your game and mean that you need to uninstall the game and reinstall it again as a fresh install, which I actually did twice before just completely giving up on the PC version of this game. I thought, f*** it That's oh. it. I'm done 
I give up. And then went to Xbox and played it there. <laughs> exactly. Oh, uh, really? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was joking. No, no, that's exactly I what I did, James. I wasn't there. I wasn't down to be beaten. You know, I was uh, raring to go, and I still needed to do that. I had lost two days, though, <laughs> trying to yeah. uh, trying to get this game to work on the PC. So off to an absolutely appalling start. However, I did have a copy of Saints Row 2 for the Xbox 360. I did manage to get it installed after a little bit of issues with locking my Xbox account out and then not being able to install the game and things like that. It was just a litany of issues throughout the whole process. You weren't joking about trials and tribulations. Oh my God, mate. I just was banging my head against a goddamn wall. It was awful. I did finally manage to get the game to boot up on the Xbox One with backwards compatibility via the Xbox 360. Once I did get it to work, after I had got through the character creation again, and miraculously I managed to basically make exactly the same character, because at that point I'd done the character creation about three or four times, I just remembered where all the sliders were, basically. Yeah. Oh, that one needs to be 20, that one needs yeah, to be Yeah, yeah, well, and also I was going typically for extremes of 0, 100, and some I left in the middle, but for the most part it was extremes. Right, yeah. uh, I had a lot of fun with that, finally remade my character on the Xbox 360 and I was able to play the game. <laughs> Albeit able to play the game at like an extremely, extremely patchy 30 FPS. And when I mean extremely, I mean more like probably average of 15 FPS. Five, <laughs> five in bad sections, 100%. Yeah. So five FPS I was getting on initial bits, any sort of bits where you're doing missions where there's a lot of water. So as you mentioned, the bit where you escape with Carlos across the water, I was, you know, sometimes even getting maybe just a couple frames per second. It was genuinely awful. Input lag was a huge issue in moments like that. Oh, wow. It was just, you know... Uh, a really kind of worrying experience after having so many issues with getting it on the PC I'm greeted with that bit it'd run kind of reasonably well sort of you know averaging 20-25 frames per second running around the prison the moment I got outside though it just lost its and obviously I don't think performance issues like that were such an issue with uh, the original version on the 360 however playing it on the Xbox One with backwards compatibility I assume that there always are sometimes mild performance issues at the very least uh, with things like that there, there always are sometimes always <laughs> are sometimes. Yeah. 60% of the time, it works every time. Yeah, so uh, again, playing this game at sort of anywhere between 5 to occasionally, very rarely, 30 FPS. Which after a, a year or two of PC gaming... Buttery smooth 60, yeah, was honestly uh, quite a challenge. And James, I'm going to tell you right now, if I get eye cancer, it's your fault, buddy. Yeah, blame Steam. <laughs> this isn't Steam, this is your challenge. <laughs> Oh no, and I can't even say you picked it this time. No. I, I picked it. <laughs> yeah, this is mutual culpability for my eye cancer that I'm definitely getting within the next year or two. Sorry, mate. Sorry. So, uh, I guess that's kind of now where we can move on to a bit of the storyline. Now I finally, after two and a bit days, actually had a working version of Saints Row 2. Albeit, working. Yeah, that's kind of, yeah, quotes. working in air quotes, yeah. <laughs> so a little bit about the game we briefly mentioned before. You start fresh out of the game after escaping from prison and choosing your character. You escape with a guy named Carlos, and at that point you're just sort of slumming around, not really sure what to do, until you catch a news broadcast where it mentions that one of the previous characters from the last game, and essentially your right-hand man in the previous game, Johnny Gat, is actually on trial and stands for execution by the judge so you decide to get yourself together buy a load of guns go over to the courthouse and break him out so um james have you played the first saints row game because i am kind of basically oblivious to anything that happened in that i never played it myself uh johnny gat and all the rest of the characters in this game were new to me at this point the first time i played it and i gotta say you know there's a lot of references to things that happened in the previous game the fact you get blown up on a boat uh you know a lot of people kind of joke at the start of the game like yeah you look kind of different to obviously account for the fact that you could just just make your own character uh, and redo them from scratch again. So did you have any sort of love for Johnny out the gate? So my Saints Row career is kind of weird. I played Saints Row 2 was the first one I played, then I played 3, then I played a brief bit of 4 and then played 1. Okay, okay. I don't recall meeting Gat in the first game, but I knew who Gat was from having played 2. Of course, yeah. I, I must admit, I thought you were going to say Julius rather than Gat, because Julius is from memory one of the first people you meet, because he's like the original leader of the Saints. I would like to go back and play Saints Row 1 one day, maybe that's 
that's a game challenge for me. I don't know if you want to do that, mate. It plays like balls compared to two, and given the troubles you're having with two. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably very fair to be honest with you. So after you uh, enter the courtroom, kill everyone, including the judge, and break Johnny Gat out of his trial, uh, you start to get together a few other gang members. So you get Carlos from before. He's the sort of the younger guy that helps you out of prison, along with Piers and Sean D. I forgot Piers was in two. Did you forget? <laughs> oh my God, that's hilarious, actually, because yeah. that really plays into his character. A lot of his stuff is he's constantly playing second fiddle and beaten to the punch by Sean D, and he kind of reflects yeah. that a lot in his sort of insecure and jealous character. So that he'll suggest something, Sean will suggest it half a second later, and then you as yeah, the yeah. boss kind of acknowledge what Sean said and just ignore Piers, and he's just in the background. Yeah. Like, and that carries on into three and four as well. I yeah. just forgot he was in two. That's hilarious. Oh, like, God, I'd love to see Piers' face knowing that <laughs> you say those words. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, yeah, so, I mean, Sean D is a kind of, like, stoner hippie chick that plays hacky sack with college guys, bangs a load of dudes, and collects a load of information. Sort of a bit like a Black Widow character without any of the spy sh- or, uh, you know, killing people at the end. She mostly just sleeps with them and collects information. <laughs> I became a total slag. But, uh, yeah, uh, and then Piers is, uh, I don't even know what Piers is, right? Well, as wannabe I said, gangster. Just, just, yeah, it's just, yeah, Piers is basically just a wannabe gangster. So once you've got your four main gang members together, that's Gat, Carlos, Piers and Shondi, along with yourself, you start to take on three of the main gangs within the area. Those gangs being the Sons of Samdi, the Brotherhood, and the Ronin. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about the gangs in this game then. So you've got the Sons of Samdi, basically like a voodoo style gang. That seems to be their main thing. Um, certainly one of the bosses that you fight during that, it does involve you sort of shooting a voodoo doll before you can attack him. Yeah. Uh, that's about as, as far as they go with that gang. Uh, yeah, they're just kind of voodoo <laughs> guys with dreadlocks much, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They're either bald or have dreadlocks, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's pretty much it. Some cool face paint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they do have some fancy face paint, that is for sure. And they wear green. And they wear green, yes. They are the green wearers. And the thing was, i got to say, after playing a hell of a lot of uh, Grand Theft Auto and my affiliation with Grove Street, which is green, I'll be honest, I, I kept on ignoring the Sandy people and shooting my own people, I, to be fair. I just used to my <laughs> my prior affiliations bled through into yeah. this game, i well, got to say. Well, the purple are the ballers, aren't they? So That's right, exactly. You've got to get the ballers, yeah, in uh, yeah. in San Andreas. Hey, what can you do? Old habits die hard. So the Brotherhood are kind of like tattooed biker gang style people. These are my guys. Right? <laughs> yeah. They love their heavy metal. They love their motorbikes. They love their massive Jeeps and monster trucks and things like that. And the kind of gang leader is this pierced tattooed guy that drives a big massive monster truck. And then you have the Ronin, where it's essentially a sort of a triad street gang that are represented there. They go around with katanas and ride on sort of high-powered sports motorbikes. Their colour's yellow. It's very kind of Kill Bill inspired, I feel. It is, yeah. That was for sure the feeling I got. And just for full context, the Brotherhood wear red, so there you go, that's the colour schemes. So each of your gang members helps out with taking on one of the particular gangs. So Carlos helps with the Brotherhood, Shandi helps with the Sons of Samdi, and Piers helps with the Ronin, I believe. One of the cool things I liked about this game is that you can actually do any of the gang missions in whatever order you want, and you can actually swap and progress any other gangs at any time in the game. So as a free roam game, it was quite nice being able to sort of progress the line separately in any order. Uh, just gives you a bit of, you know, if you're getting bored of one particular storyline, you can move over to another. Or if, like me, you'd actually played this game before and done, you know, at least one of the entire gang storylines, which for me was the Brotherhood. I actually left those guys all the way until the end of the game, just to ensure that I had sort of like a mostly fresh experience to kind of begin this game off. So the main missions in the game, they're actually split between actual story missions and stronghold missions. Story missions as the title describes just sort of progress the story along until you get to a sort of a head where you take on the final gang boss and the stronghold missions are essentially just missions where you go into a big area clear out some gang members after doing some minor objectives beforehand like perhaps stealing a vehicle or triggering an alarm in a building or something to to bring all the gang members inside and shoot them um, but those are essentially kind of smaller missions that take anywhere between sort of 
two to five minutes to complete typically whereas the story missions tend to be a bit longer in nature so once you've completed all of the missions and strongholds for each of the gangs you finally unlock the final missions to kill the big boss uh so in the case of the ronin it's actually like uh, an old dude that's armed with a katana and much similar to the sort of the mini boss which is the guy's son earlier on in the game that you have to kill he sort of attacks you and you need to press attack just before the hit lands and you'll do a sort of a counter which will then knock him over and then you can finish him off with a sword pretty formulaic boss fight not really much going on there just literally time the hits avoid his strike and then just stab him on the ground a few times rinse and repeat for the brotherhood uh the final boss is mero and he is armed with a massive gatling gun that you just have to sort of move your way around the level shooting him uh there isn't really much to do other than hide behind cover and shoot him for that boss fight i've got to say i found a piece of cover that conveniently allowed him to not hit me and i just sat there plinking him with my gun until we hit zero very easy uh very easy indeed but you do get a nice monster truck bit before that that's true yeah you do have the sort of the roller derby bit uh by that point i had an rpg so i kind of made mincemeat of that as well again not a particularly challenging boss fight uh you also had the sons of samdi boss fight where i mentioned a little bit earlier you sort of have to fight waves of enemies and then he keeps on pulling out his voodoo doll which sort of levitates around him you shoot that and then he becomes vulnerable and then you shoot him rinse and repeat uh another pretty sort of standard boss fight so after you've completed uh the three main gang bosses you unlock a sort of epilogue section at the end of the game where altor which is an organization that at that point are pretty much just looming around in the background uh clearly you can tell that they have plans to gentrify and upmarket the surrounding neighborhood of stillwater but at that point they're kind of very much hanging out in the background and just sort of you can tell that he's engineering things behind the scenes but nothing really major becomes of them until they decide to come for you as they've decided that now you're their priority target now that you've taken over pretty much all of Stillwater and it's not a good look for them investors certainly don't want to be moving into a ghetto uh, and they want to sort of you know fix that up drive up the prices enough so that poor people uh, are priced out and larger investors can move in essentially that's kind of the the gist of what Altor's about <laughs> Altor are led by a guy called Dane Vogel who's their sort of slimy head who sort of drops in and out of the storyline previous you sort of get glimpses of him uh, as you're sort of playing through you see him getting bullied by Mero earlier on in the campaign and you also see him I believe going for a meeting with the Sandy earlier on uh, but that's kind of the only real glimpses you get of him so after they've decided to hunt down the saints uh, obviously you're not particularly happy with that plan so you decide to instead hunt down uh, the rest of Altor and Dane Vogel along the way you expose an undercover Illuminati type group called the Pyramid although I gotta say I don't really think the storyline goes much beyond that I think it's just kind of Oh, they're behind Altor. Uh, they're ordering Dane Vogel around. And that's kind of it. But essentially, after killing maybe 20 or 30 Altor execs, I don't know how many members this exec board had, but it, unreal, that's a big-ass board table right there. Anyway, after you finally hunt those down, you come for Vogel in his tower, execute him, and it's game over. Which, James, I suppose at this point is a great time to say that I completed the challenge this week. <laughs> Despite all of the goddamn struggles, despite all of the goddamn strife of this game, I managed it. Keep going with that applause, baby. Keep going. Bring it to me. Air horns. Air horns. Celebration. I said you didn't beat Julius at the end, so you didn't finish the game, but that's fine. What? What do you, you mean? You didn't know about Julius earlier, so you didn't finish it. What do you mean, Julius? I got the... I got the completed the game achievement. Julius? What? Yeah. I got a goddamn achievement for ATGs on this motherfucker, James. There's no fucking way. No fucking way. I got credits. No, bitch. The credits rolled on this game. That's endgame shit, motherfucker. I earned that point this week. <laughs> <laughs> But yes, so very, very pleased, despite all the difficulties in the game, to see those credits roll. Congratulations. Thank you, thank it's you. It's very impressive, given the <laughs> issues you had with it. Yes, I'm pleased to have uh, pleased to have got it done. Um, again, it's another challenge title that uh, was a game that I'd started and had yet to complete, so I, I very much enjoyed uh, finally putting that one to bed. Another W. Yeah, another dub. So, uh, now that we've sort of talked a little bit over the storyline and got to the conclusion of the game, point in the bag 
Greg Bebe. Let's move a little bit onto opinions about the game. So why don't we start off with some of the good bits that I enjoyed. So uh, one of the things that I noticed first and foremost was the environment is really bright and colourful. Uh, it's just nice mm-hmm. to look at. Uh, it's very destructible as well. There's a lot more to destroy than even in stuff like GTA 5, which obviously came out quite a few years after. Although it's a game that's much larger in scope and a lot more refined in terms of details as well. Yeah. So obviously expected that you couldn't destroy quite as much in that game. But, you know, that said, I really did enjoy the sort of arcadey fun feel of the Saints Row environment. I love the fact that you could just smash through fences, smash through all sorts of walls and barriers and unlock shortcuts for your routes as well, which was, yeah. was really cool. Nice little feature that. Yeah, absolutely. And then they stay on your map as well. Yeah, that's very true. So every time you yeah. unlock one of those shortcuts, your GPS now takes that into account whenever you're going to a new yeah. location, which is, is fantastic. Uh, you know, a lovely little feature. And, you know, I would love to see GTA implement something like that. This is a really minor thing, but it was something that I hugely appreciated. And again, something that uh, I would really like to see in the next GTA title is that cars actually indicate to change lanes, which was really, really cool. And I hadn't seen that, if I'm honest, at least noticeably, since I played maybe The Getaway, even, on the PlayStation 2. Not sure whether Sleeping Dogs might have had it as well, but I'm pretty sure the only time I can clearly remember it is in The Getaway. Very minor detail, but one that I really appreciated, i got to say. I played a amount of sleeping dogs and i think it does yeah right i think it does but i can't remember it's been a minute i've never finished it it's one for you to put on the challenge list <laughs> yeah yeah i haven't done sleeping dogs either yeah that could be for either of us <laughs> that's a good one yeah also i noticed that uh despite the fact that this came out quite a bit prior to grand theft auto 5 there was a lot more in terms of the pedestrians and activities that they were doing you would see them skating uh rollerblading drinking smoking slumped out in a corner smoking a crack pipe or whatever <laughs> like, getting in fights as well yeah they would get into fights yeah. uh there would be sort of road accidents in the middle of the road and things like that and these were all things that if i'm honest with you i don't think i'd ever noticed that level of detail in the saints road games before and uh, it was really nice to see and if anything it rivaled if not surpassed the stuff that you have in GTA just in terms of the amount of variation it was really cool to see someone roller skating down the street and skateboarding down the street and things like that it's cool it makes the world seem a lot more alive and there's a lot more detail in it when you actually can see pedestrians doing a variety of activities other than just walking around the street aimlessly so yeah you know props to Saints Row for including those details so early on also and it would be absolutely remiss of me to say that also the radio ads in this game are absolutely hilarious it's one of the things that's huge about it yeah very good sense of humor for the radio very uh similar to grand theft auto again to sort of match the theme though just perhaps a little bit more zany uh kind of more akin to the earlier grand theft auto radios like uh vice city and gta 3 yeah no and then if i remember correctly the songs are good too the songs are banging the music is super super good in this game you've got a huge huge range of music and i gotta say uh i suppose well the competitor at this time would have been gta 4 right pretty sure it'd have been gta 4 but anyway i would say that it definitely surpassed the soundtrack for grand theft auto 4 because uh you know you've got rocky tracks and more metal radio stations featuring artists like mastodon panic at the disco dillinger escape plan avenge sevenfold lamb of god opeth the list goes on so you're absolutely catered for if you're into pretty much anything pop punk rock metal hard rock uh they've also got some more sort of electronic and indie radio stations that feature artists like crystal castles lcd sound system hot chip death from above 1979 and deftones uh even men at work (laughs) and then also like another few notable artists uh like beanie man barrington levy big pun neo 50 cent amory This game just kills it. It's got so many goddamn bangers. And I think that one thing that Grand Theft Auto suffers from is perhaps too many radio stations and things like that. It's pretty Finley. It just feels like when you're listening to the radio in this game, it is banger after banger. As we touched on a little bit earlier as well, I gotta say that the sense of humour for this game is really on point. It's perhaps the best of the three slash two Saints Row games that I've properly played. I think that it's pretty much like a good balance of preposterousness as well as grounded kind of comedy as well. You're not quite running around smacking people with a giant pink dildo yet. Also, the action scenes, like the cutscenes in this game, are really cool, I thought. They're very heavily movie-inspired. There's a lot of action going on in them. Uh, they use a lot of atypical camera angles and things like that, and a lot of kind of tracking shots that movies use that you wouldn't typically expect to see in a game, especially a game that kind of has the level of polish that Saints Row has, which, you know, no shade to uh, Volition, but, you know... <laughs> 
it's got its rough corners. It's got its rough edges, let's be honest. Yeah. Particularly on Xbox 360, I imagine. Yeah. Well, on Xbox yeah. 360 backwards compatible, yeah. Yeah. You know, so it was really cool to see. The cutscenes all felt like they were paced well. They had very cool bits in them. And you can kind of tell that... A lot of the missions, although they feel quite formulaic and like you've done them quite a few times before, the cutscenes feel really fresh and entertaining. Some of the best parts in the game were, strangely, the cutscenes, in my opinion. At least the bits where I laughed out loud or was having the most enjoyment out of playing it. I think that the gameplay can seem a little bit copy and paste, and a lot of the missions are basically involved around defend this thing, or go blow up this thing, or steal this car, or kill this guy, or something like that. There's not so much to them as what I remember in some of the later to Saints Row free missions where there's more set pieces, there's more, oh, while you're stealing this thing, you're going to end up hanging on to something for dear life and shooting people. It just had more to it uh, in those later Saints Row titles, whereas this one, it kind of felt like the missions were a bit samey, a little bit uninspired, I would say. That's fair. Fair comment. It's more about the character work in Saints Row 2. You're like, you're meant to get involved with killing the big gangs. It's more about that side of it rather than the actual missions, because most of them are just glorified fetch quests. And also the context of the missions as well the humour behind them or the objective of the actual mission itself is meant to be the entertaining factor not necessarily the fact that you've got to go to another building and kill everyone inside but there's some cool stuff like you get to go through the Ronin casino yeah absolutely yeah there is a casino mission that's really fun uh, the Ultor Tower mission is also really cool going inside there slightly tougher enemies in there too a bit more armoured also towards the end of the game you go inside a shopping mall and start uh, loads yeah, of fights within do. there which is really fun don't you then steal a car and drive out and spend through the window yeah absolutely uh, just a couple couple extra details as well um i like the fact that your hideout gets cooler as you play uh you start off in a rundown church and you actually begin to evict the homeless population who are residing underneath the church once you've done that you start to move in uh you move in gang members you start to recruit more people over time it starts off kind of like a fairy lit fairly messy dirty environment suddenly becomes like marble floors, Roman style columns and things like that. It becomes very, very fancy by the time you finish the game, which was just just a nice little touch I appreciated. So on to a few of the diversions as well. Um, these were some of the things, and I know you toyed with actually giving me some diversions, uh, completing some of the diversions as part of the challenge all, as well. All of the diversions. It wasn't that would have been rough, man. I, there's just I would have not been able to do it. <laughs> no way. Not with that attitude, you wouldn't. There's no way, dude. That would have been like your uh, 77 Zelda tries to do all of those diversions. So the diversions in this game were really, really fun. I had a blast with the ones that I did have to play. For people that don't know, this game has a sort of respect meter, and every mission that you do consumes one full bar of respect. So you need to earn more respect by doing diversions and cool stunts within the game. Stunt jumps, driving on the wrong side of the road, driving at high speeds, near misses, getting headshots, getting gang kills, throwing people, anything cool that you do earns you respect points that essentially then allows you to just unlock an ability to play the next mission. Uh, and obviously you can stack up bars of respect, so you can stack up one bar, two bar, three bar, and that just enables you to do more story missions in sequence without needing to do a diversion. Speaking of the diversions, I've just noted down some of my favourite ones here. You had the Snatch diversion, which is, and <laughs> this is not my words, this is the game's words. The words used in the game, you need to kidnap hoes from their abusive pimps to get them in your brothel. So yeah. Uh, you also have a hoeing diversion where you find the sweep spot and wiggle your stick while the game tells you to do sex moves, uh, such as the slippery trumpet. <laughs> this is actually a mini game that I found by accident while I was wandering around one of the piers. I found a toilet. Uh, you can go into it and jerk some guy off and earn respect from that somehow. Apparently going into a toilet and jerking a stranger off earns you respect. I mean, in certain circles, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Uh, there's also the septic avenger missions where you go around with a septic tank truck and spray public buildings, including a church with liquid yeah. <laughs> uh, Members of the public, police cars, you just kind of do property damage by covering everything in sh**. Good old Saints Row. <laughs> you also impersonate an officer of the law and you enact absolute police brutality for a kind of cop-style TV show where a cameraman jumps in your car and you're sort of charged with things like using a chainsaw on the environmental protesters. <laughs> and using a rocket launcher for extra effect on the litterer, that sort of thing. <laughs> Honestly, um, I had a great time with these diversions. A lot of them presented you with different 
scenarios that you wouldn't have to typically do in the main missions and they yeah the, the, i enjoyed them i enjoyed the challenge of these actually some of the missions that were in the game that once you completed them or got to a certain level they gave you some pretty useful perks like increased health regeneration uh the ability to call in more gang members getting specific cars or weapons added to your crib loadout seeing as we're kind of getting onto the topic now some of the challenges that i had outside of obviously just getting this game to run there were some things i found kind of challenging about this game personally i don't really like the design choice of forcing you to do side missions to earn enough respect to do more story missions um i think that the diversions are entertaining enough that they shouldn't need to force you to do them they're kind of very fun side things but as you say they are diversions they aren't mandatory things but they do become mandatory when you don't earn enough respect so just you know a minor gripe just something that i wouldn't have chosen to do myself Keeps you in the game longer, I think, is the theory. Yeah, exactly. I th yeah, and I think that that's it. And I think, to be honest, I'm just not a fan of tactics that artificially increase the game length anyway, really. I just think that if your game's entertaining enough, I'll complete it at my own pace, whether that be slow and searching every nook and cranny, or I'll just blast through it and have a good time, you know? I think the Saints Row is certainly the kind of game that I would seek to blast through and just have a really good time, and maybe dabble in a few of the side things until I'd sort of confirm that they were just as fun as what I had with this one. Also, I will say that the frame drops that I mentioned earlier made some of the later missions pretty damn unbearable. Going around with single digit frames while there is absolutely loads of helicopters in the sky or boats to take out, along coupled with the input lag that I was describing earlier, just made that really difficult. I gotta say that my like last hour of this game, I wasn't having much fun, mostly due to performance more than anything sadly i'm very glad that i played this on normal i'll tell you what because uh yeah i was having some difficulty on certain missions there's a uh, one mission called precinct 31 where you have to break into a police station uh you steal some technology and then fly off in a helicopter that mission sucked dude I was getting weird flashbacks to our GTA 5 playthrough where we had to do that very similar mission where you sneak inside a police station initially and then sort of have to escape in the end. However, this time you escape in a helicopter, which is cool, except the fact that this helicopter, to my knowledge, doesn't have any weapons on it. And you get an attack helicopter starting to follow you very shortly after that. And I must have died about four times just trying to fly from the roof back to the Saints hideout just because it only took one rocket to hit you to blow it up. And that was a problem in the game because also the checkpoints during the mission sometimes can be a bit questionable. And that one, unfortunately, the last checkpoint was actually on entry of the police station. So after dying three times, I had to shoot my way through the police station again and again, get the thing, get to the rooftop. Before you can actually take the helicopter, you need to fight waves of enemies while Sean D does something on a computer. So it was really frustrating. I had a pretty miserable time with that mission. And the also the enemy of my enemy mission where you go onto the Liage yacht and you need to... Uh, is This isn't the mission where you crash the Altor exec party. This is where I believe you go onto sort of a military boat and you steal a load of weapons on there for your gang that you're stealing off of the leader of the Brotherhood. That mission ends with you on the deck and you need to fight with a load of helicopters plus gang members coming in by boat. I spent most of this mission, perhaps this was my fault, I spent a lot of it up on the deck, sort of fighting the people as they came in, but that was real tough again because my frame rate was just so low. The input delay between pressing the trigger and them actually firing was like noticeably longer. It just made things a real struggle with that one and I must have died about five or six times. If I if I remember correctly, I think the strat is hide somewhere where you only can face one direction out and then they come to you and you bang them. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And again, that's like how much fun are you having when you just need to cower in a corner and just let them come through one doorway and open up whenever they do that? It's like I can believe that that's the strat, but I can't believe that that's the way that they wanted you to do that, to just sit in in a corner with your back to the wall and shoot like 50 guys as they come through a doorway but that was the way i needed to do it <laughs> to make it through most efficient right <laughs> yeah it was it was efficient uh if a little bit boring but that was the way i resigned myself to doing it after dying several times uh completing those two missions was met with a big sigh of relief i gotta say. Couple other gripes. Uh, missions always seem to end right in the middle of where you just were. So you have to actually find your way out of the location. So just as an example, inside the mall, deep in the caverns underneath the church when you need to evict the homeless population, all of those sorts of things. You would just be right in the middle of an environment that you shot your way through at the end of the mission, which then meant you had to find your way out again. And it's a lot easier to do that on the way in when you've got enemies to shoot and people to sort of work your way towards and fight. And waypoints. Yeah, and <laughs> 
waypoints, exactly. Whereas on your way out, you get lost. And I actually genuinely got lost in the underground catacombs underneath the church for about five minutes, just because I couldn't find the little door out of the initial part of your gang hideout just to get out. And I was just genuinely stuck and thinking, oh, why doesn't this game have a fast travel, you know? So I can yeah. just spawn to the, the front of my hideout, for instance. Again, I don't know whether this is down to the uh, original release or the fact that it was backwards compatibility, but there were a fair few bugs in this game. I had a few instances where enemies would just fall through the floor of certain levels, and then I wasn't able to move on to the next point because I couldn't shoot them through the floor. Had to do that. Uh, unfortunately, on the enemy of my enemy mission while I was on the boat, so that just added to my frustration of after not being able to do it due to dying a few times, I finally did it and then had to restart because the last dude was somewhere underneath the boat where I couldn't shoot him. I, I mean, like I said, it, you know, it could have been a rare thing that was present in the original, could have just been a backwards compatibility bug. I don't know. I, I can't really speak for that. Having never got that far in the game or really experienced anything like that on the Xbox 360 version when I did play it. And just onto the last few things, um, I gotta say that I find the main character quite unlikable, regardless of how you actually play the game in the cutscenes. I never find them, you know, that much of a likable person. They're kind of a dick. That's that's the point. Though. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's definitely yeah. A, it's a choice. They haven't kind of like they you know they assume that you are gonna like this guy, but I mean, although it is kind of always played you are kind of a dick to your team and you make a hell of a lot of questionable decisions that lead to a lot of people dying unnecessarily just on that note as but well you get results <laughs> you get results, get results but loads of people die including innocent people unnecessarily um yeah. your character does some you know kind of very morally black stuff like there's there's a certain scene in the game where your character after he gets ambushed he grabs a barmaid and just kind of holds her in front of him and just lets her take all the bullets before ducking behind the bar <laughs> it's like you're a monster this is not a nice person that you're playing as also uh johnny gat is just a complete liability um he even gets his girlfriend killed aisha because he stashes all of some stolen gang money at her place and she even protests and says like this is a really bad idea what happens when they all come here and he's all like oh it's fine babe the next time you see her she's getting decapitated by a katana wielding triad yeah so yeah i mean gat's kind of an as well so it's, is, yeah. it's a weird game where you kind of you want to like these characters because there's your player characters and you know it's your gang but they're kind of all dicks and psychopaths and obviously that's very much the tone of the game but i found that a little hard to relate to i wish that i could have had perhaps a bit more input into how my character behaved probably says more about me than does the game i never found that hard i see this is the thing <laughs> i never this was never a perhaps this is just me getting old now <laughs> i don't know got a bit more empathy but i never found that an issue previous playthroughs i used to think you were just a badass sort of thing but this time through i was like no nah. I, I knew i was a dick yeah so it, was, <laughs> it was what it was i never liked gap though i've got to say that's i never liked Johnny Gap. perhaps i was more just accepting of it at the time but this time it kind of stuck out to me a little bit more as uh, i wish i was less of a dick in the storyline at the end of all this, I gotta say, I think my favourite gang member, it's funny that you forgot him, was Piers. Because although he is very needy, he's very insecure, he's very jealous, he's actually the only one in the gang that doesn't seem just like an objective dickhead. Uh, Shondi is just kind of basically using people for information all the time. She's just like a massive drug addict that just takes pride in the amount of drugs she can consume more than anything else. Johnny Gat, oh, as I just mentioned, he's just a complete unreliable psychopath that takes pleasure in murdering people. Carlos uh, unfortunately doesn't last too long in F the game. In the chat for F in the chat for Carlos. He does He's not make it past the Brotherhood campaign after he gets captured and tortured by them. He meets his end by your hands as a mercy killing uh, after being tortured by the Brotherhood. So you don't really get to see much of Carlos so uh, you know I, I couldn't pick him. So Piers is really the only one there who doesn't have these major character flaws that actually result in him hurting other people. If anything just makes him like easy to upset. Unknown accomplice my uh, and he has a questionable music taste, but other than that, I would say that, yeah, Piers is definitely the uh, the kind of the shining beacon of, I guess, well, he, I mean, it is a Saints Row game. He's, he's, he's the most morally grey character out of all of them, which is, I suppose, the best you can say about a Saints Row protagonist or, or character in the series. So, very much just a few final thoughts on Saints Row 2. I thought that this game was a really fun game. Uh, it's clearly a dopamine game, super fun at the expense of any sort of reality or seriousness 
I will say that I think that the game was only really hampered by sort of the fact that it's quite an old game now at this point. Also, the difficulties that I had in actually getting it to work on the PC and the fact that I've also played later versions of Saints Row, like Saints Row 3 and 4, which obviously had improved quality of life decisions, like the fact that you can sprint at a car and jump through the windshield and immediately be in the seat. What I will say, and this is something that I think I might have said on the podcast previously, that I believed, or certainly I've said to you privately, that I... I believed at the time uh, that Saints Row 2 is the better overall title compared to Saints Row 3 just because I preferred the humour and the overall tone of Saints Row 2. Going back on it now, I think, after playing it with the hindsight, I do feel that I would prefer to play Saints Row 3. I think that the quality of life additional functions that they added definitely improved that game and I think that at this point some of the gameplay felt a little bit rough around the edges a little bit copy and paste and uh, I think that detracted from some of the fun although the strong points in this game are certainly the humour and some of the activities that you get up to some of the diversions and side missions are actually some of the most fun content in the game I'm sure you'd agree with that yeah for sure I mean Saints Row 2 is probably my favourite one probably although yeah and Saints Row 3 very close I think I said that on an episode of the podcast previously so with that said james i think that's pretty much all i've got on my challenge for saints row 2 i had a fun time playing it once i was able to play it very pleased to have been able to complete this title despite the issues that i had and uh yeah looking forward to the next challenge that you got for me bring it on big boy well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I'm sorry that you had so many issues. I, I was completely unaware that the PC port was that bad. <laughs> Typically, I would know about that sort of thing, because I own Saints Row 2, right? I like to think I wouldn't have bought it if I'd seen that there were like the reviews saying there's loads of optimization issues and things like that. Um, So I apologise for that. But fair play to you. You found, found a workaround. A you were able to do it. Colour me impressed. I wasn't sure when you said at the start of the show how many trials and tribulations you'd had. So well done, man. For all. You very much earned it. I'm just sorry that it sort of killed two days of your COD time. Yeah, I could have been, I uh, could have completed this a couple of days ago and spent the rest of the time smacking people around with a riot shield, but hey ho. That was the idea. <laughs> that was the idea. So, James, with all that said, it's time for me to announce what your challenge is for the upcoming week. So, James, your challenge for this week is. Sekiro Shadows Die Twice. Very strong. A game that I have played a few times, tried to start it. Uh, always end up putting it down for whatever reason. The most recent time, because my controller died. Right. Oh, a great reason to stick Horrible down the reason game. <laughs> I, you need a controller for that game. And I, so I had to play only keyboard and right, mouse right. games for like two months. And then I just, I never picked up Sekiro again. So very good. Is this a completion challenge? This is a completion challenge, James. However, Ooh. for this challenge, you only need to get the Shura ending, which is the bad ending, which ends the playthrough early. So do look up how to ensure that you get the Shura ending, because I will only accept the Shura... James, if you complete this whole ending on best game, best ending... Not good enough, buddy. It's gotta be the Shura ending. I want you to make all the wrong decisions. <laughs> There's a catch though, because this isn't a, a full completion challenge, this will end your game, this will end your playthrough significantly early. You need to get the Shura ending without using your ninja prosthetic. No shurikens, buddy. No firecrackers. No axe. Am I allowed to hookshot? Of, of course, yeah. Hookshot is your hookshot. It, it's it's not classed as a part of your shinobi prosthetic. This might sound easy, but I feel like there are certain bosses that you may struggle with that if you figured it out could be trivialized to a certain degree with some of the prosthetics. I hope you enjoy this challenge, man. I'm sure that you will find this a challenge. Good luck on getting the sure ending. You can do it. No ninja prosthetics, though. And look forward to hearing how you get on next week. Yeah, man, look forward to playing it. It's a good excuse to get back into it. So it's on my list of 24 games that I need to finish. So uh, I think that that is everything covered for the games challenge this week, James. I think it's time to bring the podcast to a close. As always, a very special thank you to all of our listeners. Thank you to everyone so far who has rated us five stars on Spotify. We very much appreciate the reviews coming in. You're the MVPs. Don't forget to spread the word. Get more people listening to the pod. We are looking to grow the total pod niche. Yeah, I gave it a name. Impromptu name, but yeah, that's what we're now. We're either going to be the total pod niche, the total podders. <laughs> no, not that no, one. no, not total podders. Okay. <laughs> what about the pod moders? <laughs> no, the totalers. That's kind of cool, but no. <laughs> well, I don't hear you coming up with any names, James. <laughs> well, well, it's kind of gone. What we, well, for our universe, for our, for our listeners, not so. F-
Easy in the hot seat, is it, bitch? <laughs> Go f*** yourself. You can, as always. <laughs> Find the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and pretty much anywhere else you get your podcasts by searching for Total Pod Mode. We also post regular video content of our playthroughs, stream highlights, as well as the podcast on our YouTube channel, Total Pod Mode. You're not going to let this go until you pause on no, no, I'm, still, I'm still thinking of one, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You can, as always, find us on Twitter by searching for at TotalPodMode, all one word. Or you can find me at Hoodafunk on Twitter, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash Hoodafunk. And you can find me on Twitter at MrBames, and I'm also on Twitch under twitch.tv forward slash MrBames underscore TPM. With all that said, James, I think it's time to peace out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you again next Monday. Bye. Bye.